You're listening to the 35th episode of MageCast, wherein I bring in Matt from Normal Happenings to talk about that indie paragon of relaxation, Stardew Valley. Matt is the lead writer and founder of Normal Happenings, along with his wife, Nikki. A collaboration leader, blogger, and graphic designer, he's planning quite a lot, as it turns out, but I'll save the announcements for Matt himself to divulge. I think in this episode we say a lot of things about life itself and life's many decisions in a kind of reflective way that I think mirrors exactly what sort of game Stardew Valley is, so I hope you find that rather spontaneous part of the conversation edifying. I'm thrilled to announce that our newest show, Philosophy Raga, the Gaming and Philosophy Podcast, launches on November 23rd, a Saturday. So please keep your eyes out for that. You can actually subscribe to the show ahead of launch on any of your favorite podcatchers right now. Visit iTunes, Podchaser, and so on already. That'll help remind you when the day comes to check it out. We're also doing a Philosophy Raga merch bundle giveaway sponsored by TeePublic, so it'll be an exciting day. Speaking of TeePublic, you can find an ever-growing library of awesome, well-read merch designs on TeePublic. I've included a link to our storefront in the podcast description. Remember, now is the time to take advantage of the end-of-the-year sales, so don't sleep on that if you need to pick up some gifts for your loved ones or just prank somebody with an odd, well-read mage shirt of some sort. Just a reminder, too, that MageCast is sponsored by Buzzsprout, but supported by fans and listeners. So thank you for tuning in. If you want to help support the show and our concept to encourage civil conversation in gaming circles, create new shows, new content, and improve what we're doing, then visit patreon.com forward slash thewellreadmage. If you can make a financial pledge per month, you'll gain access to all sorts of exclusive rewards, and you'll be a part of creating this paradigm shift that we're talking about. And now, without further delay, here's the show. Well, howdy, y'all. Welcome to this here little old podcast called MageCast. I'm sitting down today to talk about that there Stardew Valley with one of my dear friends. His name is Matt. How's it going, Matt? It's been a long time since we've had you on the show. Hey, Red. It really has been a while. Uh, I'm doing well. How are you? I am exceptional, uh, as we were discussing before the show. Sounds like both of us had really good dinners, so I'm doing great. <laughs> That's good. What did you have for dinner? I had... Uh, chili that I made myself. The problem with cooking for yourself, in my opinion, is you can't taste the love. I put love in it, but I can't taste my own love. So when somebody else cooks and they put love in it, then I'm like, oh, this is good. Well, uh, I'm sure that it was delicious. It was, it was all right. It was all right. What'd you have? Um, I had turkey tacos. Turkey tacos. I had pre- prepping for Thanksgiving, huh? Uh, I guess so. Um, a lot of people use ground beef, but the turkey kind of gives it a nice leaner flavor that uh, my wife and I really enjoy. Oh, okay. Uh, See, unfortunately, in my mind, I was thinking that you had a, a whole turkey that you shredded up and stuffed in the tacos. But that ooh, that, that's a good idea. Um, maybe <laughs> um, instead of hard shell tacos, we could do like soft shell tacos and then put like, a shredded turkey in there. I'm not sure a whole one would fit, though. Yeah, you'd have to make a lot of tacos. True. Yeah. <laughs> so uh, you're from Normal Happenings. That is your your site. Mm-hmm. That's your concept. Um, now, 
so so everybody kind of knows where where you are, where you've been. Uh, what it, let's let's start with this, and then we'll get into what you're playing. So we kind of naturally discuss into video games. Uh, but what have you been up to, dude? Uh, you know, I mean, you're alive. That's great. You know, we're happy that you're 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 with us. Uh, but what have you what have you you been tinkering on? Ooh, yes, uh, I am alive. I try to make occasional tweets and get on Discord occasionally to let everyone know that I am indeed still working on stuff. But it's a lot. Uh, so, um, for those of you who don't know, um, at Normal Happenings, uh, we put together fifty four or so bloggers. And we are working on a year-long collaboration called The Characters That Define Us, which is a successor to The Games That Define Us, which you were a part of. I was. I remember it fondly. Um, and you are also a part of The Characters That Define Us. In fact, you were writing two articles. I am. One is finished. Mm -hmm. And I swear by my own grave, I'll have the second one finished. So, um, as you can imagine, working on editing 100 words, or, yeah, 100 words, that's, that's a lot to edit, 100,000 100 words, <laughs> it's basically like editing a full-length novel, um, yeah. and I'm wanting to do a little bit more than that. Um, we had been using a WordPress.com site, and we're transi transitioning over to a self-hosted site, similar to how the Well-Read Mage um, did recently. So I have been to kind of commemorate the occasion. I've been working on different branding different colors, uh, along with editing the collab to hopefully make 2020 the best experience for normal happenings that it possibly can be. So in my brain, I think the trade-off of going quiet a little bit for especially the back half of 2019, I think it's going to be well worth it. I hope I'm not uh, setting myself up with my expectations too high, but I am really excited for what 2020 brings for us and the blogging community. Well, and and important for your sanity, sir. <laughs> Taking the time off was was a brilliant move. Oh, thanks, I appreciate it. I'm not sure I'd call it time off, especially on the back end. But you're I, I working, will... right? Yeah, <laughs> but uh, yeah. time off in terms of keeping up. I mean, you are keeping up appearances, mm -hmm. but you know what I mean. Like you're not trying to crank out sort of like a regular schedule of content right now on top of all the content that you're editing and that's real good you know that you that you you're allowing yourself the time to focus on 2020 i think i would be failing my mission of appreciating everyday life if i was stuck behind a computer 24 7 and not experiencing life uh well this is true making content and preparing for 2020 my goodness yes Exactly. We all only have 24 hours in a day. I don't uh, know. With the, uh, with the amount of quality content that you produce, I think you secretly have like 28 or 29 hours in the day. Uh, it's, you know, I, I know a couple time mages. That's how. It's, yeah. There you go. Uh, you. Um, so are you able to play video games now? Uh, yes. Uh, yes, I am. Super Mario. Oh, Super Mario Maker is my jam. Or Super Mario Maker 2, that is. Uh, I think if I was playing the original, I wouldn't have too many people to play with. Yeah. <laughs> uh, funny enough, I am slowly going for... Um, a top ranking in the normal endless challenge 
in Super Mario Maker 2. Those uh, Have you played Super Mario Maker 2? I have not for a very specific reason. Uh, that if that kind of game, kind of like the game that we're going to be talking about here in a minute, uh-huh. uh, I know me personally, I would never survive that game. I would play it so endlessly and obsessively. I love building things. I love designing things. And that kind of game, like Terraria and um, that sort of thing, I just get sucked into. So now I try to avoid them. Mm-hmm. Uh, but I do own the first one. So if I ever do play it, I'm going to blame it on my son. Be like, hey, son, you want to play Super Mario Maker? And then, yeah, he will he can play most of it or, or whatever. Well, making in Super Mario Maker 2 for me is one of the most relaxing experiences because it balances creativity along with kind of numbers and math, which I also enjoy. I mean, I don't I don't sit down and do equations, but I do enjoy angles. I think that's what makes me kind of a good graphic artist. Uh, So I like making or at least my philosophy behind making Mario Maker levels is just make it complete completely as long as you possibly can so use both areas use the the main world and the sub world and and just make it encapsulated into a a little game itself that tells a story along with it so i've only been able to do two so far because you can imagine how time consuming those really are right yeah yeah but i'm sure worth it and fun to play that's awesome well as i mentioned uh i think there's a a kind of Uh, similarity between a game like that and the one that we're going to talk about. We're talking about Stardew Valley tonight, originally released in 2016, developed by Eric Concerned Ape Barone, and originally published by Chucklefish. Uh, We're talking specifically about the console ports, or at least I'd like to, those are the only versions of the game that I've played. Have you played the PC? No, I've not. Uh, I've okay. played exclusively the Nintendo Switch version of Stardew Valley. Okay, I gotcha. I've played uh, the Switch. This is one that I double dipped on. I originally played it on PS4, um, and loved it to death. And then finally stopped playing it. And then they released it on Switch, and I was like, "Oh no, <laughs> I have to do it again." Um, I never picked up the game. I mean, I saw the game and it always looked interesting. I never picked it up until they released it on Switch, but I think I picked it up on launch day when it came out on the Switch. And I'm not sure I've stopped playing it since. Oh, yeah. I could be playing it right now while talking to you. You could. But I'm not. Oh, okay. Shucks. (laughs) (laughs) So this is episode 35, Star Do's and Star Don'ts. Uh, With... With the Nintendo Switch, it's kind of become a, a, a jokish, meme-ish sort of thing to say it's perfect on Nintendo Switch. Uh, but it is. It's a game that doesn't demand a ton of uh, you know, impressive graphics and that sort of thing, and it's very gameplay-oriented. And the fact that you can take it anywhere is amazing. I can farming sim on my lunch break. I can farming sim in the shower. I can farming sim. I don't recommend it, but it can be done. Uh, can you can it? take it anywhere. I'm not what? sure how I'm still talking to you. <laughs> it's Yeah, it's possible. Let me say. To start us off, I want to ask kind of an echo question here, too. This is a question that we got from Vulgar Leader, who asked, who did you marry? <laughs> uh, this is one of the main draws, I think, of any farming sim in the in the vein of Harvest Moon. 
so who was your favorite uh, bachelor or bachelorette out of all of the eligible persons in this game? Who was your favorite? All right. Who wants to go first? Me or you? Uh, let's flip a coin. Here, can you see the result? Um... It says you go first. <laughs> uh, so similar to the uh, person who asked the question, I ended up marrying Abigail. No, did you? Yeah, I did. This is one of those. It's one of those interesting things. I kind of immediately regretted it because being married to Abigail isn't that fun, and I also, I don't know, uh, Emily was. Uh, kind of fun so i'm almost kind of regretting it it's one of those interesting things that you can feel in a video game but not necessarily in real life yeah hopefully you don't marry somebody and i mean i'm sure this happens to people but hopefully it doesn't happen to oneself where you marry someone and you're like ah darn it <laughs> i think i think emily was pretty devastated uh when i married abigail i mean she still talks to me but i'm not sure something's different uh abigail and we'll talk more about characters uh in more detailed in a bit uh but abigail was one of those that uh i just detest um even my wait even my, though she has a poster of chrono in her room you still detest <laughs> her i mean but here's the thing like that's the most interesting thing about her is that she plays video games like <laughs> other than the only that, thing she's about like her. a whiny like <laughs> and we will get we'll get into we'll get into the details of the characters because i definitely want to pick apart uh the characters in this game there's some that i really enjoy and there's some that i'm just like <laughs> ah anyway um my pick was leia uh because there's the whole artist thing but she's kind of uh there i mean there's still things about leia that bug me like she's got a really weird smile <laughs> it's like this like crooked uh not to like i'm like i'm judging my in-game spouses by their like physical sprite work <laughs> but it's stardew valley guys okay it's not real life um so that was my end so here's the thing out of all of the people who responded to that question across discords and on twitter leia was the winner so oh leia was the winner i just uh, assumed we... everybody married abigail I, I, I mean, Abigail was, I didn't write down who got in second, but I think Abigail was pretty close to first. So there's that. I think we got like one Emily, one Maru. Uh, nobody said Harvey. <laughs> nobody said Shane or Alex Shane. What a uh, punk. Anyways. <laughs> So yeah, we'll get back to characters, but um, Nikki um, married Alex um, on Alex. her save file. I got her Al in the game, so into the game, so she married Alex. And Alex is the is the the uh, the jock guy. Yeah. So how much like Alex are you? Um, I'm not much like Alex. I mean, I think Alex he seems to be pretty nice, and I consider myself a nice person in real life. Well, there you go. And that's that's probably why she married him, just because of his resemblance to your niceness. <laughs> we'll say that. All right. <laughs> so, uh, getting into impressions here. This is from Cardiac Drop, the legendary Cardiac Drop, who said, "Gotta admit, looking forward to the podcast as this game is not in my wheelhouse." Hashtag I have no knowledge. <laughs> uh, this game isn't in everybody's wheelhouse. 
Uh, and that's okay. Games are in, you know, different folks' wheelhouses. Mm. Uh, but, you know, so we'll kind of talk about why we personally like this game. Um, but to start that off, uh, what was the first time you played this? So it was on Nintendo Switch. What drew you to buy it? Um, well, first, I have to say, in regards to his question, no, this game absolutely is not for everybody. And <laughs> I wouldn't judge anyone for looking at the game and saying, why would you play this? <laughs> um, it's it's a game... It's a game that's about nuance. I think it does help, uh, like you and me, to have an appreciation of the kind of 16-bit sprite work sort of art style. But to Mm -hmm. see it kind of married with more modern stuff, I think that kind of can draw you to the art style. But again, it's it's not really for everyone. Uh, I was drawn to it, but even I was wondering after the first week, I'm like, this is hard. Why would I farm? But then things just click and, and they open up for you. I think it's part of the game progression. Yeah, I'd have to agree. Um, my wife is somebody who looks at this game when I play it and is like, why? Uh and if you think about it, the why is valid, right? Because essentially you're just doing work. Yes. It's really weird, right? Like these simulator type games, especially you play a game like Farming Simulator. Uh, I mean, you're driving tractors around and like irrigating plants and things like that. And it's like, that's literally work, but we've glamorized it into video game form. Yeah. I mean, at oh, work I today, I worked on a Photoshop document nonstop and I had to do the same exact action 67 times in a row. It's like, you know, copy something, input data, and then do that 67 times. And that's tiring and exhausting. Why is it different in Stardew Valley? Right. Because you wake up, you know, you water your plants or whatever your morning routine is. I would always wake up water the plants or, you know, check to make sure the sprinklers are working, then go check on my animals and then go and do whatever I'm going to do for the day. But when you wake up, you do it every single day. You take care of them over and over and over again. Uh, and I, I, you, you find yourself saying just one more day, just one more day. And the question is why? What draws you to keep doing that? For me, it's a catharsis thing. It, there's something relaxing about, about the repetition, but not everybody is hardwired that way. Hmm. There was a really interesting comment here from comments slash questions here from uh, the arcade castle um, who made a comment uh, that involved uh, iconic photos that he shared of the great depression. Uh, And then he asked, are games like harvest moon and stardew Valley just modern iterations of pastoralism? Why, as a method of escape from daily tools, do we choose the rigors of the plow and sickle? The fact we don't have to allows us to enjoy such labors. Uh, and I think that kind of strikes at this thing. It seems like, you know, going back a couple hundred years, if you could play this game that time ago, nobody would really want to play it because they were doing it, you know? Yeah. Like, do people who farm today play Stardew Valley? There's a question. I have no idea. I mean, I'm not sure. <laughs> my uh, my grandparents are farmers, but I don't think that they would even understand how to really press a button on the <laughs> Nintendo <laughs> Switch, much less play Stardew Valley. 
Yeah. And I think that from the comfort of our homes, we can kind of look back on that era of uh, agriculture, agricultural dominance and sort of, um, again, glamorize and uh, canonize that experience of being close to nature, yeah. right? And, and getting your hands dirty and doing a hard day's work in terms of the physical labor of driving a farm forward. Uh, and it can be to us something that's fun and something that's interesting uh, as a pastime. Mm -hmm. um, but I imagine that's very different from the actual experience of having a farm. Have you ever like been on a farm? So you mentioned your, your grandparents were farmers. Oh, yeah. Um, to speak to the first thing that you were saying, yeah, I think it is a form of escapism to um, take, to go from what a lot of video gamers are working on computers about every day, working on their phones and um, being able to escape towards this more... Yeah. I guess, simple way of life, even if you're still kind of using the same tools that you work with every day, being your computer, or tablet, or anything that you do play Stardew Valley with. Um, yes, I, um, my grandparents are farmers in southwest uh, Georgia, and they, you know, they're kind of getting towards not doing those activities, but they made a career out of farming peanuts and cotton and watermelon. <laughs> Wow. I was never terribly into that life. No, I'm very close to my grandparents, but mm -hmm. every time that I paid them a visit, I lived the state over. Every time I paid them a visit, you know, I never wanted to do any of that hard work, like no. drive, drive <laughs> tractors and plow fields and everything. Um, yeah. I was uh, I was much more keen to stay inside and, you know, play their NES that they had. And play Stardew Valley. That's the irony of it, right? Right. <laughs> so you're like, I don't want to work on a farm. I'm going to come inside and work on a farm. You know, uh, when I was a kid, my dad uh, purchased three acres of rainforest in this uh, area of uh, Hawaii on the Big Island and uh, cleared it, um, built us um, a house there that ran on a generator. Um, we had a couple chickens and things like that. Um, it wasn't really a farm farm, but it was still a lot of the sort of thing that we had to do. I mean, I remember going out and harvesting fruit from the trees. Uh, I remember when he cut off a chicken's head and we ate it. <laughs> we had uh, rain catchment for water. And this was you know, a couple of years of my, uh, of my childhood. But when I play something like Stardew Valley, it does not remind me of that lifestyle. So again, I think this is a very uh, idealized version of that, but it kind of connects to sort of the premise of Stardew Valley, right? Which you start off as this character that's uh, entrapped within this corporation. I'm wondering if you could kind of give us the gist of the premise of the game. <laughs> it's a super simple story. Um, yeah. <laughs> yeah, I mean, he's working for Jojimart, which is a, a big organization akin to something like Walmart or Amazon. Um, and it turns out that, you know, his family, what was it, his granddad has willed him this farm and he decides to escape to it. And that's the story. The rest is all about characterization. Mm. Yeah. And that's sort of the basic premise that's been used in a, a lot of 
uh, farming sims, right? Especially Harvest Moon. Right. Now, I don't know how many of those that you've played, but we'll get into that a little bit later as well. Mm-hmm. Um, but I think that premise, as simple as it is, again, that ideal still kind of resonates to us that somehow in our modernity, in the safety and comfort of our technological lives, uh, we want a kind of disconnect. We yearn for a kind of dis- disconnect and a return to simplicity. Mm-hmm. Uh, why that is or how that, that happens in people's lives, uh, I think varies from individual to individual. But despite not having wanted to work on your parents' farm, have you ever experienced a kind of feeling like that of wanting to disconnect? <laughs> I guess... Nothing outside of video games, uh, making them my outlet. Well, I say video games. Also, reading books kind of gives you the same feeling. Uh, let me ask you this question: Have you okay. ever, um, have you ever watched uh, Anne with an E on Netflix, or read uh, Anne of Green Gables, or seen any of the various incarnations of that piece of literature? So I am familiar with Anne of Green Gables, uh, a little bit of the books. I've seen the, what is that, the BBC mm-hmm. um, versions. My wife's uh, favorite uh, film, the first one, uh, or one of her favorites at least. So we watch it now and then. Uh, but I have not seen Anne with an E. Okay. Well, I mean, it's all, all kind of similar. Um, I have to imagine that the same form of like escapism that you feel uh, when reading or watching that uh, kind of applies similarly in the same way to Stardew Valley as a video game. I know there's conflict most definitely uh, in the those pieces of literature. But at the same time, you kind of can go into it and escape to that rural sort of different environment than what you're used to as the as the reader. Hmm. This is sort of wish fulfillment, maybe. Yeah, that's an interesting way of putting it, but I like it. Sometimes we refer to our our lives as a corporate nightmare. Pretty much. <laughs> uh, as a minor personal story, I made a career change um, a couple of years ago. Uh, I was running a restaurant and very much involved in the corporate machine in a chain of restaurants that was growing extremely rapidly here in Southern California. Mm -hmm. Um, But I reached a point where I was having night terrors, couldn't sleep at night. I was over caffeinating, ended up in the ER multiple times um, and just constantly stressed out. And I was not playing Stardew Valley at the time. But when I did play Stardew Valley, the premise reminded me of the fact that I needed personally to disconnect from that job. Uh, It was too too much like the machine of Jojo Mart uh, where I wasn't having – it was sucking all of the the life out of me um, as a very, very, very needy job. And I just didn't think that the rewards uh, matched that neediness. Mm-hmm. So I did disconnect. Um, and so there's an element in which I admire and kind of uh, identify with the story of, of Stardew Valley and kind of a return to simplicity and that ideal, even though I didn't move to a farm. <laughs> Red, I that story, I think so many people deal with uh, post-traumatic stress 
of dealing with this type of corporate workplace in America. I feel like your story is one that so many other people have dealt with as well. And I really hate to hear that. Um, so in that case, yeah, that's no surprise that a lot of people in your similar situation are going to gravitate towards this game. Yeah. And it's cool that this game exists as sort of a, a nutshell bite-sized version of that escapism. Mm -hmm. If anybody's listening, that's sort of involved in that kind of nightmarish cycle. Uh, I'd encourage you to make daring choices, make bold choices in your life. It's your life. I mean, you only have one life to live so far as we know on, on earth. Uh, and you, you can't waste the years. You know, I, I thought like, do I really want to grow old with this job? I, I would talk to a nearby uh, manager that was the same position as me, just on in a different uh, restaurant. And uh, he was there for a long time. Uh, and I made more money than him just because my store was doing better. And I was just like, but is that it? Is it just the money, making more money than somebody else and making more money than I could spend? It it just didn't it just didn't uh, equate the kind of value that I think you can get from making very specific decisions in your life about what kind of life you want to live. There is uh, an irony here because one guy made this entire game from the graphics to the gameplay mm -hmm. to the music, and he must have absolutely worked his butt off yeah. <laughs> for many, no many joke. years. I mean, you read some of the stories about what he kind of went through to make a game that's almost has an opposite theme. Yeah. Now that's that's an interesting that's an interesting uh, idea to raise that we kind of forget that Stardew Valley is an indie game uh, because it's so popular, um, so many people have played it and it's available in so many places. When you play it, you're kind of reminded that okay, this is an indie game it has a lot of that that feeling to it. But great point that this dude must have put himself through a mechanical and technological nightmare in order to get this game to the point of where it is today. Um, so hopefully for him, the rewards are something that made that worth it. I hope so. Well, yeah. he, he had my money, that's for sure. Yeah. Are you a fan in general of farming simulators? I have played a few. Um, the problem with Harvest Moon, which I know has been brought up several times. Yeah, and we'll talk about it now. So it's a perfect time. Well, I did want to bring I did want to bring up another farming simulator called Farming Simulator, <laughs> the series. <laughs> uh, you may have seen it. Uh, it's particularly, yeah. I don't know, it's on the shelf at several mega marts and stuff. But if you want to play a more realistic farming simulator that's three D and kind of open world, uh, not that great, but also kind of okay, then yeah, that's gonna be the series for you. So if you want more of a proxy of going out, working on a farm and making real money off of your crops and actually driving tractors and relegating people around, I think that's the sim city of the farming simulator genre. Um, but as far, as far as Harvest Moon is concerned, there are a lot of similarities, but it didn't, none of the, 
uh, Harvest Moon games I've played had the same like X factor that Stardew Valley has. Maybe it is the indie feel of Stardew Valley that draws me to that and not to Harvest Moon. Now, what do you kind of mean by the X factor there? What are you referring to? I wouldn't call it the X factor if I knew what it was. Well, you got to try. <laughs> I will try. Pull it out. Pull it out. Pull it out. You could do it. Okay. Everything in my mind about Stardew Valley, especially its music and its presentation, um, it's it keeps me coming back to it. But it's hard, I guess, for most of the Harvest Moon games. And I've only played... Um, I've only played a couple, but I just, I start playing it and lose interest much like a lot of people do with Stardew Valley. And that was a question I was going to ask you too. Which Harvest Moon games have you played? Do you, do you know off the top of your head? Um, I played, or I tried playing the one on PlayStation 2 because my wife Nikki loved that game as a kid and just can't remember which what the name of the game was. That's right? uh, a wonderful life. There you go. It? Yes, it was a wonderful life. Okay. Uh, other than that, I've, and there's not much I can I can say because it's hard for me to remember exactly why I put it down. Hmm. That's one that uh, that I didn't particularly enjoy either. But but go ahead. You were going to make a point here. Oh no, that was my point. I'm not oh, sure. Okay. I'm not sure why Harvest Moon doesn't appeal to me the same way that. Um, Stardew Valley does. I know that more modern uh, Harvest Moon and Story of Season games haven't done so well as far as yeah, critically. Yeah. But yeah. I haven't played them, so I can't make a judgment on that personally. Yeah. Well, okay, so I like that you could raise the, the issue of Farming Simulator. Uh, I've not played Farming Simulator, um, but it is something that I know exists, but every time I see it, for some reason, I'm repulsed by it. <laughs> And I think it's just, I think honestly, it's just the lack of like cutesy characters and stuff like that. Oh yeah. If you want to go farming and you want realistic farming that I somewhat experienced, uh, except without all the heat and the gnats, then play farming simulator. (laughs) It's exactly what you would expect. It's a little small. I kind of wish the world was bigger, but that's my only critique of it. Yeah. It sounds like a perfectly moderate um, farming simulator then. But yeah, I want like... Like, I look at Farming Simulator, I'm like, well, who am I going to marry in Farming Simulator? Come on. <laughs> There's no, like, magic in Farming Simulator. Uh, so, but uh, Harvest Moon. So one of the interesting quotes that I found is that um, Eric, the designer of the game, believed that the series Harvest Moon uh, got progressively worse after specifically Harvest Moon Back to Nature, which is one of my favorite Harvest Moons on the PlayStation 1. Um Harvest Moon is one of those that I think lost its way and tried to do too many gimmicky type things. Uh, in a sense, farming simulator games are already gimmicky, but I think it just lost like a sense of like, okay, this is about farming. It's not about like stupid circuses and and like driving a golem around. It's it's about farming, you guys. Uh, and if you start to lose track of that, then you start to lose the heart of what makes this series great. So uh, Harvest Moon for me, I remember playing the original Harvest Moon um, from 96 on Super Nintendo. And I wasn't a huge fan. The first Harvest Moon that grabbed me was Harvest Moon 64 um, back in 1999. But I've played the Harvest Moon Game Boy games. I've played Back to Nature. 
I've played Save the Homeland, which was the other PlayStation 2 one, as well as A Wonderful Life. Uh, Friends of Mineral Town on the Game Boy Advance is one that I've played the heck out of, um, like hundreds of hours on that thing. Um, another Wonderful Life I've played, uh, Magical Melody, uh, Tree of Tranquility, Animal Parade. There's just too many Harvest Moons, you guys. <laughs> yeah, but it sounds like you played them all. Yeah, I've not played them all. So I, I stopped playing Harvest Moon um, towards the 2010s when it was the DS games and Story of Seasons. Um, that's when I was like, okay, enough is enough. Uh, so I haven't played too much Story of Seasons. But the original Harvest Moon games, uh, Harvest Moon 64, uh, Magical Melody is great. Um especially the PS1 Back to Nature. I think that those are really great games and more uh, analogous to what Stardew Valley is like than uh, than the latter ones. Now, uh, another series I jotted down here is Rune Factory. Have you ever played Rune Factory? No, I have not, but I've heard good things about it. Yeah, it's, it's not bad. It's a little, like, uh, unpolished, I would think. Um, but... Rune Factory is cool in that its basic concept is it's Harvest Moon, but you can capture and raise uh, monsters and you can go dungeon crawling. And that's essentially it. That's the same thing. Okay. So, yeah, which Stardew Valley kind of has as well, right? You've got I mines. love the caves in Stardew Valley. That's one of my yeah. favorite parts of it. Procedurally generated, wonderful. Uh, you can find all kinds of cool items and things like that. Um, Rune Factory seems much more story driven. So the two that I've played is I've played Rune Factory Frontier, which I recommend, and Rune Factory Tides of Destiny, or Rune Factory Oceans, which I quasi recommend. It's a strange game in that you're on this island, and in order to explore other islands, you get this giant seafaring golem that can walk to the spring island where you can grow spring crops and the summer island and the fall island and the winter island. But it's not the same sort of thing as having your own farm. It's just that you can farm on these separate islands. So, again, I think it kind of misses the point of a farming simulator. A big one is Farmville. Have you played Farmville? Oh, my goodness. <laughs> this is real talk time. It's time to confess. Have you played Farmville? All right. So, yes, I I did briefly play Farmville back okay. when Define it, briefly, Matt, for us before. You... Okay, briefly meaning about a month. Oh, that's brief. That's brief. I, I know. Not nearly as many hours as I put in the Stardew Valley, which has to be north of 150 at this point. Yeah. Um, but I, I did play it. I often especially back then, went into these type of free-to-play uh, social media games. Um, and I played them to make a point that they weren't fun and also that I could do better than everyone else. Which <laughs> is They weren't fun, so I played it for a month. <laughs> yeah, it wasn't. I did that especially with Candy Crush Saga, where I made sure to beat the high score on like the the free levels like one through 15 or whatever. Um, and I made sure to get the high score among all of my Facebook friends um, on that. So I think I did this, a similar thing in Farmville or at least whatever equivalent there was. And then I 
just quickly realized that I was wasting my life away. I just put it down and I haven't picked it up again since. Oh, yeah. <laughs> I don't even know if it still exists. Honestly. I think it does. Does it? I know. Yeah. And I know that in its day, people were spending hundreds of dollars getting a leg up and getting more resources in Farmville. <sighs> That's where it gets bad. So I had an argument with a classmate. Uh, former classmate at the time about Farmville. Uh, his assertion was it's not a game. It's trash. <laughs> uh, now it is a game, but it can also be trash at the same time. That's the thing, right? Uh, it's it's a game that I played for longer than a month. We'll say that. Okay. Uh, I did spend real life money on it, which I wholly regret. Um, I... N- when I complain about something like microtransactions, the fir- the thing that's in my mind as the the icon of my disgust is Farmville. Because uh, you could spend money on something that I can't even remember what I purchased, but it was such a dull, mindless, addicting experience. Uh, I would... I would be like, man, I hate this game. And then I'd contact a hundred friends to ask them for coins. You know, <laughs> I don't know. I don't know why, but I mean, I, I love farming simulators, but Farmville is this thing that just took off. Uh, I don't have exact numbers in front of me, but I'm sure they made a ton of money off of people just camping on Facebook and bugging that's one thing I'm glad I don't get anymore is all these notifications of people asking me for coins. Yeah. Farmville is the Citizen Kane of microtransaction <laughs> yeah. addictive yeah. game. They did it first, and uh, a lot of people think they did it the best. And so now that model has translated into so many microtransaction games that it's not even funny at all. You have to – I love that you said it's the Citizen Kane – of microtransactions. I thought you were going to say the Citizen Kane of farming sims. I was going to be like, we need to end this podcast right now. <laughs> but <laughs> no. But uh, as far as it, it being the best at that, yeah, again, I'm sure they made a ton of money. I mean, it, it, for all appearances, was a very successful game. So here's some stats. After launching on Facebook in 2009, Farmville became the most popular game on the site. No surprise and held that position for over two years. At its peak in March 2010, the game had 83.76 million monthly active users. Wow. Yeah. Daily active users peaked at 34.5 million. After 2011, the game became, began experiencing a considerable decline in popularity. By May 2012, the game was still ranked as the seventh most popular Facebook game. As of April 30th, 2016, its rank had fallen to the 110th most popular Facebook game as measured by daily active users, while Farmville 2 climbed to 42nd. So it lists here platforms Android and iOS, so I guess you can play it on your phone now. But my goodness, uh, yeah, what a what a bottomless pit that yeah. game is. Let's try not downloading that on our phones, shall we? I am downloading it right now. Oh, okay. 
anyway, so uh, back to whew, back to Stardew Valley. We almost lost it in the the black hole that is Farmville. Uh, here's a question from Critz McCritz. Harvest Moon for the SNES was my fa was a favorite of mine, but I haven't played much else in the genre. What makes Stardew Valley unique or memorable among games in this category? You kind of got at that a little bit with your X Factor, right? Yes. Um, I think we kind of ran through a couple things there, but uh, one thing that I think is really cool with Stardew Valley is it just seems like it does more, and it it's bigger than a lot of these other farming sim experiences. There's uh, there's also this sense of irrepressible optimism in Stardew Valley that I feel like is fairly unique to to that game. Hmm, that's interesting. Tell me more about that. What do you what do you see in Harvest Moon? That's that's I right, Harvest Moon in Stardew Valley. Beg your pardon. I'm gonna do that the rest of the night now. <laughs> in Stardew Valley, that sort of resonates that that optimism. I think we touched on it similarly when we're saying it's it's a form of escapism from a a life that is often repetitively negative. But in Stardew Valley, the repetition seems to be more positive. Again, X Factor, because I can't put the words on it. But everything about uh, Stardew Valley, even though there is some conflict a little bit between the characters and there is a, a little bit of exploration of things like PTSD and like how veterans are treated. Uh, there are alcoholism. Yeah. Alcoholism. There's, there's plenty of issues in it, but by contextualizing it in this optimistic world, I feel like in some ways you can even get a more objective perspective on it. Yeah. Uh, that makes sense. You know what I just thought of that was uh, maybe not the most optimistic thing in the world is the uh, the uh, fling between who's it Marnie and the and the mayor. Mm -hmm. <laughs> <laughs> that's that's somewhat hinted at uh, when you find Lewis. That was his name, right? Uh, when you find his underpants in a certain particular location. <laughs> Yeah, the game is actually pretty subtle. Sometimes you do have to look into things to to really find out what's going on. Uh, that's a plus in my mind. Yeah, yeah. This is a question from Re the Retro Game Brews. What's your response to someone that claims it's just a knockoff of Harvest Moon? Uh, my response is I haven't played enough Harvest Moon to answer that question, but you have. Oh, <laughs> <laughs> oh darn it! I, I was. I was hoping you had some like X factor answer. Um, I'm going to say it's because this game was deliberately based on harvest moon. That was one of the statements made by the designer that took inspiration from harvest moon. Um, but with the intention of improving upon certain things uh, that harvest moon does muddily or didn't include at all so, um, so red get me and um the rest of your audience that haven't played a harvest moon game get us into our first harvest moon game which one would you recommend oh uh i like that question a lot i'm gonna say um for ease of access play harvest moon friends of mineral town that was released in 2003 on the game boy advance uh, if you don't have a Game Boy Advance, play 
Harvest Moon Back to Nature on the PlayStation 1. Both of them are virtually the same game. They actually have the same characters, the same town, uh, the same areas. Difference being that Friends of Mineral Town is portable, but it actually has more content, if I remember correctly. Um, and there's all kinds of bizarre things. Like, I think you can get a second house if you play it for 10 in-game years or something like that, and you're married. I've never played that much of it, uh, but it's there. Um, but this is where a lot of the iconic things uh, came from. Uh, you could get golden eggs. I think it was in the PS1 version uh, for award-winning chickens. You could get the greenhouse. You could get uh, the harvest goddess. Um, there was exploring the mines. There were no monsters. Um, but there's a variety of animals and so on and so forth. So when I think of iconic, solid, exemplary Harvest Moon experiences, I think of those two in particular. Oh, it sounds like I've got a homework assignment to do. You do. Uh, which of those can you play? Do you have a Game Boy Advance or something you can play Game Boy Advance? I do. And so I'll just have to uh, hit up Amazon and order Friends of Mineral Town. Yeah, it's not it's not rare. Now, I I don't believe um there is also more friends of Mineral Town oh. <laughs> which I think was just uh from the perspective of a female protagonist. So, you've got a couple choices there. Now, why they don't include that both in the same game? 2003 was a different time, okay? These games are products of their era. <laughs> we'll say that. But uh yeah, so you can get either more friends of Mineral Town or friends of Mineral Town. Um, but yeah, lots of cool stuff, lots of great festivals, great characters, um, in my opinion, really great eligible characters to marry. Uh, so there's that, if that's your thing, but yeah, great, great question. Uh, here's a question. Um, okay. So hi, Tomaki Weekly, and thank you for your question. Your question is, I have never played much of this type of game, but if I were to have a question, it would be something along the lines of, what type of merit does it provide to the soul? Like, what I mean, like, what I mean is, why is it so charming to many, and how could we benefit from playing this? Good question. Yeah, but that's that's tough. How do, what merit does it provide to the soul? Uh, interestingly, though, I, I do feel... Um, I do feel that way when I play it. I think it's probably what's got me coming back for over a hundred hours. Um, just, it's so hard to describe how the, the music and the colors uh, along with the characters in the gameplay help make you feel at peace and kind of calm. But I do know that that peace, calm and feeling disconnected from the real world, which can be a little treacherous at time. It does help me feel better. Maybe this is, this is kind of going out on a limb, but maybe this kind of game is the closest, uh, is one of the closest games that can get to uh, the experience of being out in nature. Because we're talking about, kind of, again, kind of a lot of that, that sense of peace, the relaxation, the escapism. Uh, those things to me seems like seem like things uh, that I also associate with taking a trip to the forest. Uh, this year, on July 4th, we drove up to a nearby national forest. First time my kids, four and two, had ever been to a, a national forest. Um, on the way, 
you know, I'm like, hey, Cal, my eldest, hey, Cal, we're going to a forest. He goes, what's a forest? I'm like, oh, no. <laughs> but we live in a desert, so <laughs> trees aren't, aren't exactly common. Uh, and trees grouped together even more so. So taking that little drive was was all of those things, though, and, and experiencing nature firsthand. It was relaxing, uh, and it was something that I think was idealized. I mean, I wouldn't want to live there when I think about it. I wouldn't want to spend the night in that forest, certainly not without a tent. But going there and having that sense of peace. So I think games like, like Stardew Valley, um, maybe walking simulators, um, games like uh, Abzu, Flower, uh, are games that, kind of remind you of that relaxation and the peace and the quiet uh, that you can have in nature. What do you think about that? Because I kind of went out on a limb with that, that. That's not a limb, though. The pun is appropriate because you're talking about trees. Ah. <laughs> <laughs> um, no, I completely agree. So on the other side of the continent, we uh, have a lot of forest. It's the deciduous forest region. Uh, so Nikki and uh, my wife, Nikki, and I love to go hiking all the time. Uh, so we call it nature. Walk nature trails uh, through forests and everything. I do uh, feel many of the same types of emotions, feeling feeling that sense of calm, a sense of being out in nature uh, that I do playing Sturdy Valley. It's not the same, obviously, because mm -hmm. I can never quite get past the fact that I am staring at a bunch of lights on a screen. Mm -hmm. um, but there are similar feelings there uh, both of which can help be good for the soul uh, to mm. uh, kind of use a quote from the the question poser yeah i think that's a that's a really healthy way of of stating that of going out into into nature uh as much as i want to encourage people to do that this time of year uh it might be a little cold in some regions uh, for instance, here in Southern California, in the high desert, we're not exactly known for sleet and blizzards and that sort of thing. Uh, when it gets down to 50 here in Southern California, there's people wrapped up in parkas and scarves and stuff like that. But <laughs> in other areas of the country, uh, I mean, like, how cold was it over there today? <laughs> um, so... Uh... I think that I talked about this a lot in my blog, but we recently moved uh, from St. Louis, Missouri, uh, back to our home state of uh, Alabama. It's actually a fairly unseasonably cool fall here in Alabama, but oftentimes it's, it doesn't get that cold. <laughs> 50 is sometimes fairly rare, unless you're talking about January. Oh, okay. um, but it's been fairly cold lately. Uh, today it got up to 70, but last week it was lows in the 20s, highs in the 50s. Uh, in St. Louis, though, it was already snowing uh, before Halloween. So oh, wow. uh, yeah. we're still, I, we do still end up keeping up with that. But here, yeah, I mean, it's cold enough, I guess. I like the cold, so I'm not complaining too much. Yeah, I like I like the cold too. I mean, I grew up someplace where like Christmas Day it'd be like mid seventies, so eh, who wants that? <laughs> but uh, yeah, so if it's not too cold where you're at, hey, maybe take a time out of your busy schedule, spend some time in nature or with Stardew Valley, whichever one's more convenient for you. But spending time in nature has that kind of that sense of awe, especially if you're going to someplace really beautiful. 
Um, natural beauty is just unlike anything else. Um, you could go and see, uh, in my opinion, you can go and see movies with some of the best special effects in the world that money can buy, and it does not compare to going to some of these really beautiful places in the world. Uh, rivers, oceans. The ocean, to me, is something that's particularly uh, hauntingly beautiful. It is just literally unlike anything else we know. I mean, it's the ocean. Yeah, and you guys have sad. some incredibly beautiful sights over there on the, the West Coast region as well. It's all right. I mean, it's okay. California beaches are a little muddy, a little dirty. Uh, we went to a California beach for my wife's birthday, and I stepped in oil on the sand, and I was just like, what the heck is oil doing on the sand? This is a beach. Uh, but, I mean, Hawaii, you know, you're going to a beach that's a beach. So, anyway, <laughs> back to Stardew Valley. Uh, here's a question from Overthinkery1, a.k.a. the sometimes vaguely philosophical mage, who asked, how does one get into Stardew because I've started a couple times and think, and I think I just not stuck with it long enough to get into the cycle people seem to love. It's like I've got an initial commitment and learning hurdle with it that I just can't get past. That was part of a conversation uh, that he had on our Discord um, with, I believe it was with the Wandering Mage. Um, but in honest statement, um, earlier you mentioned that Harvest Moon games, you kind of had a difficulty getting into that and spending, you know, an exorbitant time with them. So what would you say to somebody that has a hard time getting into Stardew? Uh, well, uh, I would say go for it for a month of in-game time. And if you don't like it by then or you don't feel compelled to keep playing, it just may not be the game for you. I, I freely admit that this, more so than most games is either a love it or leave it type of game. If you're not going to if you're not going to love the game then it's probably not best to sink what's going to be probably a fairly long playtime into it. Uh, it's not a game with a definitive ending either. Uh it's it's a game that you can kind of play indefinitely and honestly that's something that drew me to a lot of the Harvest Moon games. I remember doing research into Harvest Moon games and asking, okay, does the game end after two years, after three years, after five years? Because I want to purchase a game that I can just play as long as I want to, literally until I get bored uh, without it having to end on me. I think Save the Homeland was one that had a, had a specific ending after a period of time, a couple of years or something like that. Uh, but Stardew Valley you could play infinitely if you wanted to is that something is that part of the draw for you i don't i don't know i, I think you do eventually reach a point i think i may have already reached this point where you just want to jump back in occasionally to experience the world but i've yeah. seen some plays on youtube and stuff where people are just like mining gold or making diamonds and just making hundreds of them and I don't know if that type of grind has a lot of appeal to me. So I probably play it a lot less now, but I do still play it whenever I, I want to feel, I guess, the way that Sturdy Valley makes me feel. There's a handful of kind of like late game things that you can purchase, like the teleportation pillars from the wizard that cost an insane amount of money or that mirror item that lets you return home 
at any time uh, and kind of warp back to your your house uh that costs millions of millions of in-game cash uh have you ever purchased any of those <laughs> no i have not have you okay <laughs> uh i did <laughs> but that was on that was on ps4 and i told myself i would never do it again <laughs> you must have put a uh several hundred hours into it to get to that yeah point. it was a couple hundred um but you reach a point where um kind of like what you're saying where you're like okay what other goals are there to do uh and so you kind of reach a point where you jump back into the game just to experience the world um i was already married i had the kid thing you know and uh, blah 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 did you ever uh, make your a- uh make the person that you married forget you no uh i just thought that's horrifying you just never never press that button yeah no it's uh yeah on like a fundamental level yeah i'm just like i would be doing this person wrong like if i just erase their memories uh obviously they're yeah not real people but the i like the fact that that exists in the game that's really interesting but yeah the turning your children into doves or pigeons or yeah, something like seriously that? I was like, yikes. I mean, I guess that's maybe the gentlest thing you could do, you know, to get rid of your children. But my goodness. <laughs> yeah, it's it's ultra horrifying to me now as a as a as a father in particular. Um, but I think I I think I got one of the teleportation pillars. I think it was the beach one. And then I was working on the other one for I think it was the mountains. Um, but I was really close to getting that teleportation item that warps you back to your house. Um, but then I realized, I was like, okay, but once I have this, what then becomes the new goal? I can get back to my house sooner, but why, right? And so there, there's, you know, things like in the casino. Um, there's obviously the um, the skull dungeon in the desert. Uh but once you've kind of gotten gotten once you've uh, found all the items and all these different things then you kind of ask yourself okay why am i still playing this uh but i i I still limped on for a while um but yeah i i like i like the indefinite gameplay but i think it does reach a point where there's no more goals uh to do you know you filled up your farm and and that's just that you know so uh anyway i wanted to touch a little bit more on uh the the story and the themes we we talked about the premise um one of the interesting things is the uh dilemma of the community center approach or the joja jojo mart is it joja i think it is right i think so yeah joja i wrote down jojo like a moron but i think it's joja mart uh so you've got sort of the choice to make right that's really cool in stardew valley um where you can fill out this community center with items and kind of help these forest sprites uh and be closer to nature and that sort of thing or for some reason uh, you could support the local joja mart which is the company that you left uh but you could support them financially to take over the town and, that is the and, villain mode of the story. Yeah, it's it's interesting, right? Because it's kind of got a, like a morality system in play. 
Now, I, I know what you're going to say, but which one did you pick of the two? I feel like that if you did the Jojo Mari, you're kind of a monster. Yeah, exactly. I mean, I, I don't know anyone who who's done the Jojo Mari. I mean, I'm sure there's plenty of people who have done it, yeah. maybe even who are listening to this. But Looking into it, I think the Jojo Mart's a little bit easier, but I mean, it's so much more fulfilling to you know restore the community center and find those items, some of which are pretty elusive. I actually enjoy watching speedruns of people trying to find the all the items for the community center as quickly as possible. That's about the only speed run that you can do for Stardew Valley, but it's very fun to watch. Yeah. No, and that was really cool. I think the spring ones are the hardest, right? Because then you got to wait a whole year until you get the next one. Uh, But yeah, so there's either that where you can turn in these items and the sprites will build different things in town. Uh, Very cool. That's how you get your greenhouse. Or you could just dump cash into the coffers of Jojo Mart, uh, and eventually they'll dispense of the sprites and they'll build everything for you. But my goodness, what a horrible thing to do, uh, especially since everybody in town seems to hate them. Um, so, yeah, glad to know that you've not done Jojo Mart. Then. But let's talk about some of the characters here. Kind of kind of uh touches on a question that we got from Jay Torto forty, aka the slipstream mage, uh, who said, Awesome game, one I played the heck out of. Looking forward to the mage qua- the mage quest, whatever that is. Looking forward to the mage cast. He he asked two questions, so we'll tackle those here. But his first question was with so many ways to create income. What was your preferred approach to creating cash flow? Um, farming is probably the easiest, but weirdly, Stardew Valley is set up in a way to where you don't have to farm a single plant beyond maybe like this tutorials. And you can still play the game and enjoy the game if you're just not into farming. That's totally cool. Uh, so going through the caves and mining all the ore and fighting all the monsters and getting the things that they drop were probably um, my favorite way of making cash, even though it's not necessarily the most efficient. Yeah, I like um, I like uh, that there's also the animal husbandry as well, which you can make a decent amount of profit uh, through, especially since animals, I believe, do not die on this game, and you can't kill them either. No, they... uh, you can only sell them off. Um, I think there were previous Harvest Moon games where if you mistreated your animals, first of all, you're a monster, uh, and secondly, I think they would run away or something like that, and you'd wake up and they'd be gone the next day. Um, but in, uh, I read in Stardew Valley... Uh, the designer didn't want to have any of that in this game, so um, there's no emphasis on animals uh, being harmed or killed or anything like that. So you can get um, a variety of animals too, which is cool in this game. You know, there's ducks and rabbits, uh, which was surprising, um, pigs, uh, goats, so and more so than just the basic cows and chickens that you typically get. In Harvest Moon. I felt an incredible amount of responsibility towards my farm animals when I had them. Um, So I always treated them right. I petted them each day and made sure (laughs) to shear the sheep. Um, And as soon as I felt like I didn't want to do that anymore without 
seeing what happens when you leave them for a long period of time. I just went ahead and sold them. <laughs> Rather than be grumpy. Yes. <laughs> Let's, I hope they go to a better a better place. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, they pretty much, yeah, they just get down in the dumps and that's it. And then you feed them the next day and they're like, oh, I'm fine. They can't starve to death or nothing. Oh, good. That's always been on my mind. Oh, uh, yeah. Now you can rest easy. Um, but that reminds me of one of the best features in Stardew Valley that I think is definitely something that this game does to improve upon the Harvest Moon formula is all the automating systems in place. Because an issue with these farming sim games is as your farm grows in complexity and as your profit intake becomes larger, uh, your tasks become more numerous. So it literally does take time to uh, plant fields of corn uh, and harvest them. It takes time to pet 10 cows versus 20 cows versus 30 cows and brush them all and so on and so forth. And so really cool stuff that he designed into this game, like the auto feeder, like what? You don't even have to worry about feeding them. They just, there's that thing that just feeds it, feeds them uh, yourself. And then you can get those little huts where the forest sprites will harvest your crops for you. And you could just go to the hut and pick it up and drop it in your bin. That kind of stuff is more than just quality of life uh, improvements. That, that sort of thing really allows you to continue to invest in the complexity of your farm, knowing that you can have those auto systems to fall back on. Oh, no, I completely agree. And I love the crafting system and how you get the supplies and how it, you know you can build it pretty much immediately without too much too many issues uh, trying to get complex stuff and perform complicated tasks I, I like the irrigation systems that you can put in so you don't have to yes. water your plants and i like that even if you don't have that you can upgrade your tools to where you can press and hold down the button and water multiple plants um, so many quality of life improvements, but yeah. it also fits with the progression of the game. Yeah, absolutely. Um, I'm thinking in Harvest Moon Back to Nature, one of the ones that are recommended, um, you can get your your can your watering can up to I can't remember what it was called, something like legendary watering can, and you can water a tremendous space. But that game did not have auto sprinklers, oh. so you still have to do that all on your own. Even though you can water a huge space, having to do it on your own sucks up a lot of time and sucks up a lot of energy. And so again, that takes away from how complex you can make your farm. So all those little tools, the sprinklers, the auto feeders, the forest huts uh, are really indispensable tools in this game. And I think it, 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 it contributes to the longevity of playing Stardew Valley. Uh, so the second part of his question here, a second question rather was who was your least favorite NPC to interact with during the game? Uh, mine was Haley. Cause she was just mean. <laughs> Haley. What a punk. Haley is a punk. Uh, um, let's see. I've got a list of characters here that I'm looking at. There's actually more than one. Uh, that I just disliked interacting with. It's like I like the characters in, in Stardew Valley 
uh, and I dislike them all at the same time. So Abigail, Haley, Emily and her weirdness, uh, Sebastian can just take a class on social interaction. Uh, Shane is just an awful guy. I don't even care that he likes chickens. That's not a redeeming quality. Um, and that's not cause I'm like this kind of like merciless guy. I just don't like Shane. I think he's, yeah, I don't know. His redemption story doesn't do it for me. Crobus is cool though. You know, oh, yeah. Crobus is cool. I can't believe you don't like Emily. Uh, I like the fact that she's so weird. I, I think like, okay. And we're getting into something that I really want to talk about with these characters, right? <laughs> is that I think the game leans too heavily on uh, trying to make these characters so realistic that they become caricatures. Now, let me un unpack that. Um, one of the things that the designer wanted to do with Stardew Valley is kind of implement these real-world messages into into the game. And so you have, obviously, the... You know, the corporate machine theme. Uh, you've got uh, various um, environmental themes in this game as well, um, all of which I think are are very well suited to this game. Uh, but when it comes to the characters, this is very much a 2010s cast of characters. Uh, so much so that I think some of them, and you're free to disagree with me too, and that'll make the conversation more interesting. So please do. Right. But, uh, I think that a lot of the characters boil down to just stereotypes, and in some cases, even worse, some cases caricatures that almost make fun of that that kind of 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 thing. Um, and one character that I legitimately think that's the case with, well, two I'll name two, is Haley and Abigail. Abigail sounds like I hated as much as you hated Haley. Both of them, I was like, he literally just took like the bimbo blonde that's like obsessed with all the bimbo blonde stuff and the gamer girl stereotype and just made them like maximally stereotypish. Uh, and and those are the characters that are in this, this game that you're expected to you know, think about as as eligible bachelorettes. Uh, and to me, same thing with, with Emily. I think that her weirdness is interesting, but I think that that's just all she is. I, maybe I haven't played far enough uh, and invested enough time into Emily to kind of see the foundation of her character. Uh, and with some characters, that is that, that there is a foundation there. But I don't know. I just thought it was off-putting. What, what do you think about all that? That was a miniature tirade. Oh, no, it's not a tirade. Um, I completely agree with you. I think you are absolutely correct. And yet, at the same time, um, yes. I kind of feel like that it's the point. Um, it, <laughs> all right, here's, here's, here's kind of what I'm I saying. Like Go, say, say on, say on, yes. yeah. Um, in your social group, let's say at work, or, you know, if you've taken classes and, and you had a class, um, you've you can kind of start seeing maybe not all in the same character that makes it easier in a video game but you can see these types of people kind of blended together and i think stardew valley does a good job of taking these characters and making you realize the the humanity and the commonalities that exist uh beyond all of these different stereotypes <laughs> 
Uh, and maybe it does. And I, I, it absolutely does. These are stereotypical characters in every way that you just imagined. But yeah, and I, mean, I do and think, I do like, think I said, like I said, I do think that a lot of them grow past the, the, the stereotypes. stereotypes. Um, um, I think some, I think of, some of them don't. don't. Yeah. Some, some of them, of them just, just like, like uh, stop. stop. <laughs> well, I mean, as much as I love the game, I do admit that it's not perfect. Yeah, it could definitely do a better job of adding even more layers of nuance and characterization characterization to these. But then the question arises, does this game need that, right? So yeah. it's like they could be a, a valid criticism of the game, but at the same time, you know, is there space, is there room in your character's daily interactions with NPCs for that kind of storytelling to really kind of make these characters more than just two-dimensional and make them uh, much more three-dimensional and human. And I think they really try that with a lot of characters, but I just don't think it's with all of them. I think there's a, a lot of uh, character investment inequality in this game. Um, for example, Shane is a character where, you know, he, he goes through this dramatic um, kind of transformation as you come to get to know him and understand uh, his depths and so on. I mean, I still think that he's an off-putting character, but uh, to me, it seems like more time and more thought and maybe more emotion was spent in developing him than other characters uh, that I could think of that have more kind of a shallowness to them. Maybe uh, there, again, maybe there will be a I, game in the uh, in the future that takes these, I guess, criticisms or concerns and arcs out and, and even better, more diverse group of characters with a lot of different interests and not stereotypical at all. So maybe um, game designers need to look at Sturdy Valley and see if they can kind of push the envelope on that. Yeah, and that's that's how the progression of, of developing games and, and art should be, right? We kind of learn from experiences and stardew valley i agree with you i mean it's one of my favorite games um it does so many things right i think its characters every once in a while miss certain things but maybe this is not the right game for that um and you kind of just pick characters based on you know uh really basic attributes and that's okay because it's it's not it's not a, like a dating simulator right it's a farming simulator <laughs> It's not it's not supposed to delve into the depths of the human experience and all this sort of thing. So it's like I don't want to demand, uh, you know, so these like Charles Dickian like levels of character development and all that sort of thing. But at the same time, you know, you kind of want a little more. So even with my fave babe, um, I can't believe I said that, but even with Leia, uh <laughs> who I thought was cool because she was an artist. She never kind of gets past that. She's just defined by like, I'm an artist, but I never really came to like understand her as a person. It seems like, right. It's always like, Oh, my ex boyfriend or my ex girlfriend or what have you, um, was, um, you know, not supportive of my art career and, and you have been, and that's your connection. And I made it through her, kind of her whole story and all her events and married her and all that sort of thing. And then even too, when you marry a character, 
they just kind of are there at your house and they're like, Hey, here's a salad. I'm like, thanks. It's 7 a.m. <laughs> Why? <laughs> um, do you but, think that this would be a little bit easier to deal with if maybe the cutscenes weren't so clunky? <laughs> like sometimes you'll just randomly. Yeah. I mean, a big thing, a big thing is I think the the character portraits are not that great in my opinion. Yeah, they're okay. I mean, they're interesting. I kind of see what they're going, what he's going for, but. Uh, they are. They do enter that kind of uncanny valley sort of feeling. Yeah, like some of the again, Leia's smile is a little like. What is Linus wearing? I know they're like too detailed or not detailed enough. Yeah, like Linus. I'm like, are you okay? Are those like are those? Is that like scales? Like a fish? Are you wearing armor? Is that autumnal leaves? How did you get those in springtime? Uh, but yeah, again, it's just, there's some real ugly ones like Gunther, um, and there's some that aren't so bad, but one of the interesting, in my opinion, one of the interesting things that is cool about the PC versions of, is people have come up with all these different mods of the character portraits. Um, I don't know if you've looked through a couple of those. I haven't played the PC version, so I haven't looked into mods. Yeah, I've not either to clarify, but, uh, you could go on Google and just be like, you know character mods, portraits, whatever. And there's some people that have done some pretty spot-on jobs, uh, but they didn't have to develop the whole game. So that's that's the thing there. Um, so that was our least favorite NPCs section. <laughs> kind of went on a little, a little uh, sidetrack there. Um, but some of your favorite NPCs now, to turn it to the positive. Uh, well, it was Abigail until I married her. <laughs> what was it like being married to Abigail? She was just really boring. All she did was just play video games in the house. And that's it, the whole day. Yeah, pretty much the whole day. Yeah. <laughs> um so I don't know. I don't know I guess I don't know what I was expecting as far as Stardew Valley and its marriage mechanic. Yeah, the marriage again, like the marriage stuff is it's not that it definitely doesn't compare to like real marriage. That's for sure. Like, it'd be interesting if you came home and had like this huge argument with your spouse, and then you had to like figure out, you know, the proper dialogue choices. But there are some interesting things, like you know, if you start to show interest in another person, uh, and you can make your spouse jealous, uh, so that those kind of gameplay elements are there. But with Leia, I, she pretty much stays at the house and does artsy stuff um and we'll talk to you and give you things every once in a while so it's not it's not a deep dynamic relationship sort of almost anticlimactic then huh because you get to see all these great uh great to moderately great <laughs> interactions with your characters and then uh, when you get married it just kind of stops yeah i mean that's true <laughs> almost yeah. i'm not sure again i wasn't sure what i was expecting <laughs> Yeah, uh, but it, again, still a great game. Uh, so Abigail, until you got married. So what about just flat out uh, NPC that you that you did like? That's a good question. I'm not sure if I if I have a favorite. I, I do like. Uh, I can't remember all their names right off the top of my head, which is kind of sad considering how much I put into it. Um, <laughs> I, I liked the 
I like the carpenter. That was uh, Robin? Yes. Okay, there you go. I liked Robin. And her family. <laughs> that was like up there in the north part of the map. I, I think the map's the same as far as like the town is concerned. Um, okay. And I liked... Hmm. I'm not sure who else I liked. <laughs> you know who's an interesting guy is uh, Clint, uh, who is not an eligible bachelor. I, if I if I got that right, I think he's I think he isn't, but he has this huge crush on Emily, and he's just like this awkward guy that doesn't know how to talk to a girl, and it's just really funny. Um, but uh, one of my favorites is Linus. I like that Linus is in this game. Um, I like that they put a, a homeless man in this game who uh, chose the lifestyle, uh, evidently. Um, so, again, you're kind of touching on some real-world issues there. Um, Krobus is my man, the shadow guy that lives in the sewer. I just think he's cool. He doesn't do anything. He just is down there and he sells you stuff. So you don't really have, like, you know, a ton of interactions with him. There's some cutscenes. He's kind of scary, yeah. and I'm, I'm not sure why. Yeah, no, he's just kind of like, hey, you can give him your cursed eggs, your void eggs. <laughs> uh, and then uh, trying to explain void egg to my wife was difficult. <laughs> uh, the wizard is cool, a little aloof. Mm. Um, Morris is probably everybody's least favorite character in this game. I don't know that anybody would actually like Morris. <laughs> That's the Joja Mart guy. Yeah. What a jerk. <laughs> Fun to see him punched in the face when you uh, finish the community center. Yes. Spoilers. <laughs> <laughs> right, because we, we haven't already spoiled this game. Eh, every mage cast is a spoiler. These people should know this by now. <laughs> True. <laughs> um, Backlog Odyssey said, I know my wife at OctoTaco1 can certainly vouch for this game. And she's the reason I have its music stuck in my head 24-7. Let me say first off that Octo Taco 1 is a great name. Octo, octopus, taco, Japanese word for um, octopus, I believe it is. Um, so that's cool. You're like octopus, octopus. Um, but what are some of your fra favorite tracks? You said you like this soundtrack. Oh, my goodness. Uh, the music. Oh, yeah. <laughs> um, so this is the type of soundtrack that I would play i sometimes play the music more than i actually play the game um the music is hands down one of my favorite soundtracks um of recent memory um and it's also on amazon music so sometimes i will tell alexa to play the stardew valley soundtrack <laughs> alexa play the stardew valley soundtrack uh, again you're gonna have to you're gonna have to do it louder than that Maybe. Here, let me turn the volume up. We'll see if I can do it. All right. Try it again. Alexa, play the Stardew Valley soundtrack. Stardew Valley, original game soundtrack by Concerned A on Amazon Music. Do you hear that? <laughs> you actually did it. Uh, so, yeah, favorite favorite tracks maybe centered around a favorite season uh yes uh so i think like everyone else winter has my favorite soundtracks um i really love well i love all three winter tracks um i really like the wind can be still and uh the track titled ancient 
Um, but I also really love the fall tracks. Um, I mm. guess spring is my least favorite. I could see how they have the catchiest hooks, so they could get people into the game. But I think there's a ton of nuance. The the slower paced tracks of the winter, uh, the winter season are just really good. And I also love pretty much all of the um, cave tracks, um, which I think they're a little bit weird how they're implemented because they'll just they randomly start playing, and I can never quite figure out why when you're yeah. in the caves. Yeah, yeah. But if you just listen to them on their own. Um, they just have this this quiet sensation. I don't know. <laughs> they're just they're really good. So yeah, those are might gonna be my favorite ones. Yeah, the cave music. I'm glad you brought that up. I forgot about that. It'll be like silent. Oh yeah. And then you go through a door, and then it's like oh, it starts playing dick and you're like oh yeah, I forgot. <laughs> but winter, uh, the one popped in my head. I like the winter tracks, but I'm going to say that my favorite tracks come from autumn. Um, I think the autumn tracks are just perfectly autumn. Uh, they did a really good job of uh, making the seasonal tracks really fit the seasons. Um, I've played a couple farming sims where that's not been the case. I'm like, this sounds like a summer song and it's playing in autumn. This is wrong. It seems just fundamentally you can feel the, the outrage of that. So really, really well done soundtrack. I mean, the, the thing that one person made that soundtrack along with the game itself is just incredible in my mind. Yeah, it's typically, you know, a whole job to compose the music for a game. Yeah, and this is right. not a short soundtrack. Um, on YouTube, if you listen to the entire soundtrack, it's two hours and five minutes. Yeah, it's long. And to the the great achievement of this soundtrack is that the music remains so good and so endearing after hearing so much of it. Because you're playing this game for such a long period of time, so repetitively, each day... You know, as uh, in a season, a seasonal song plays, but there's not a ton of seasonal songs, so you're gonna hear the same song over and over and over again, and yet it still remains uh, arresting and and wonderful. It's such a great soundtrack. Um, so and a bit on gameplay here. Uh, did you have a favorite season? Did I have a favorite season? Yes, uh, that's tough. I think that. Spring, summer, and fall all kind of work the same. Um, <laughs> That's cheating. <laughs> no, they do all work kind of the same. But most people think winter is kind of boring. But for me, winter has this aesthetic and this ambience. I know you don't, you can't do as much, though. It does give you a chance to not have to water your plants every day, so you can get a lot of cave stuff done. But yeah. just uh, to walk around and experience the world as it's a little bit quieter, a little bit more sad, a little bit more ambient, um, that's probably my favorite. Plus, it's a lot easier to find the stuff that's buried underground because the white background makes you be able to see the worms more. Oh, yeah. There's that. I, I kind of always find myself wishing there was more to do during the winter time, but I always try and make it a goal to have the greenhouse in winter. Um, so that, you know, I've got at least some plant tending to do. 
Um, and you've got, you know, winery things that you can make and all sorts of things to keep you busy. So, plus there's still the animals and so on and so forth. Uh, my favorite season, probably autumn. Again, I'm always trying to build up to that autumn. Autumn's a big season for crops. So, uh, you got to grow those cranberries. A farming landscape. So, you can choose a different farming landscape when you start the game. What's your go-to? Um, I did the... Um, do you happen to remember the, the different landscapes that you could choose from? So there's standard, right? Which is uh, the one that gives you this huge amount of land to work on. Um, there's uh, mountainous, um, where you can get some ore on your farm. There's forest, which will just have tons of trees. That way you can get more lumber easily. Um, there's, uh, rivers, uh, the river land. Um, so you can fish more, <laughs> but it has the least amount of space. I think it was, uh, of growing things. And then, um, there's the wilderness one where monsters will come to your farm at night. Um, I did look at the wilderness and one, that one was cool, but the forest one is the one that I chose. And the forest one's really cool. It, it's just beautiful. I think, mm. yeah. Uh, I've played on the standard one and filled it out. Uh, that's how you make a, a butt ton of money, um, but it takes a ton of work. Um, most recently on the Switch, I made a Riverlands farm, um, which actually still is a decent amount of space. And you can, you know, use a little extra space by putting your your kegs inside of uh, barns and things like that and kind of doubling up. Um, the uses of certain buildings. So you can still make a ton of money. It's just you're not going to be doing as much uh, crop harvesting. Um, so I like that there's those different options, though. I think this kind of, the way we've been talking, it kind of leads to our different approaches of playing the game. Ooh, interesting. It seems like you are more interested in, um, I guess, make, acquiring some sort of quasi-sense of completion by making a lot of money. Uh, whereas I play the game to just kind of exist in the world. Uh, if I do stuff, that's great. If I don't, then no big deal. There's always tomorrow. I love that you brought this up because I actually envy that perspective. Uh, I, it's something that I cannot aspire to for some reason, um, but I want to, right? I want to be able to just play the game and be like, come out of my cabin, you know, for the day, just be like, ah, today I could just do anything I want to. But no, I wake up and my first thought is, oh, I got two more days until the corn you know, ripens. And so I got to go out and do this stuff. And I, I got to add in the, the extra sprinklers. Oh, but I forgot the iron ore. So let me run to my warehouse and pick that out and, and maximize my daily time and maximize profit. Because uh, for me, the building element of Stardew Valley is something that really intrigues me. Again, the whole Terraria type thing um, The that, spawned in me i guess as a wee lad when i played around with legos so this last time that i played the game i realized you can plant trees anywhere like in town and stuff oh, wow. i was like i was like oh. 
I'm making orchards everywhere. So that's what I did. On the road that goes north from your farm to the mountain, uh, I made an orchard there. I made an orchard right next to uh, the homeless man's tent, Linus. Um, he could have all the fruit he wanted. Um, but yeah, and put the maple, um, the syrup saps on them, and all that stuff just to get as much stuff as I possibly could out of this game. And that's something that kept me going. But I do envy your perspective on playing it. I don't know. I kind of envy yours, too, because you actually get stuff done in a reasonable amount of time. <laughs> well, I mean, I did play this thing for like hundreds of hours. So it's good to see us uh, discussing a game where we're not at odds with each other on the opinion. I know that you did not love Sonic 1. Oh, uh, well, yeah, I uh, let's let's bury that. All right. <laughs> Uh, one of the one of the things that I really wanted to do in Stardew Valley was I really wanted to make a castle farm, oh, which wow. I, what I mean by that is I wanted to make stone paths with gargoyles and stone walls and lanterns and ramparts and all of these things. Uh, and I never got around to doing that, but that was one of my sort of goals in uh, originally playing this game. But uh yeah, there's a lot that you can do. And looking at layouts of different farms and what people chose to do is just really fascinating to me. Some people went towards the maximizing profit and the farms are just these huge rows of crops. And then some people went for more interesting uh, layouts with um, unique pathways and uh, crops shaped, planted in the shapes of hearts and all sorts of things. So it's just interesting that you can play Stardew Valley in all sorts of different ways. Um, pets. Are you a cat person or a dog person? I'm definitely a cat person. Oh, good. <laughs> me too. Because you know what? When you play with a dog and he barks all of a sudden, it would make me jump in real life. And I was like, is there a dog? Oh, there's a dog. Yeah, my parents uh, had dogs growing up. And uh, for some reason, the shrill, high barking always gives me migraines. and makes me feel really stressed out. Um, but cats are, I don't know. If you treat a cat right, it'll be affectionate. So I definitely have a cat in Stardew Valley and not a dog. Ah, me too. Me too. Festivals and events. Uh, do you remember what what are some of like your favorite events uh, in this game? They're okay. <laughs> yeah, they're, they're, they're kind of all right, you know. <laughs> and I agree with that too. I think that uh, some of them are just kind of a little pointless. Um, interesting as slight story elements, like the Moon Jellies event. Oh, that's like, my favorite one, by the way. Oh, is it? Okay, go on and talk about it. Why is that your favorite one? <laughs> well, the one that is that the one where you're basically sending fall off and into the winter, and then it's like the dance of the moonlight jellies is the last thing before it gets really cold. Well, you're standing on the beach and you see the glowing bioluminescent jellies come in, right? You're right. That's right. Um, I think we're thinking of the same one. I don't know. That yeah. one, I know it's a little silly, but it's also kind of eerie to. In this game, in real life, there's not as quick of a transition between fall and winter. But Right. It's like you wake up the next day and it's snowing. <laughs> there, there's yeah. something strangely romantic about waving goodbye to you know, any type of life. And then you have this kind of dead world after that. But it's I don't know. I, if I'm thinking of the same festival as the yeah. one where it like, ends fall, then I don't know. That one was eerie and kind of cool. 
Yeah, we definitely are. I think, again, that kind of highlights our different perspectives. I'm like, what do I get out of this festival? And then you're like, oh, it's a cool, like, you know, kind of a world building uh, thing. So that's that is your favorite then. That is my favorite. Yes. Oh, OK. Um, I'm trying to think of what it might be. It might be the Christmas. I can't remember what it's called on the game. I'm like, why don't you guys just call it Christmas? It's literally like there's a Christmas tree. You give presents. It's in winter. Uh, the Feast of the Star something, Star Feast, Starlight Feast, something like that. Uh, but you give gifts and you get a gift from uh, a secret person, um, sort of like a white elephant kind of a thing. Uh, I like that one. Again, you get something. So, uh, oh, the... Um, this game's version of Halloween. Again, can't remember what it's called, uh, but it's got the maze and everybody's out there. That one's fun. It's like Spirits Eve. Yeah. Again, why don't you just call it Halloween? But Spirits Eve. <laughs> um, and then there's the, uh, I think it's in spring when you can have your uh, crops judged. Or maybe it's in summer. Oh, yeah. Uh, and you can play all the different mini games and stuff like that. That one's cool. Um, but I would have liked to have seen more, uh, articulate festivals here with more things happening. Um, one of the newer things that I played on the switch version that was not on the original version that I played was, uh, that one event where the boats come to the beach at night. Um, and they're all different merchants from across the world. Um, that one actually was in a very late update to the Switch version as well. Oh, okay. So you're not, you weren't missing anything. It did, I think it was in the last patch. Okay. Um, yeah, I, uh, I, I enjoyed that one. Uh, I liked that it had different things that you could purchase, different, uh, you know, like the, you could go down in the submarine and fish at the bottom of the ocean, that kind of stuff. I was like, this is this is a cool event. I wish that more events were like this, um, like the spring dancing festival where you go and they dance and that's it. I was like, that's it. Give me something. Give me like almost know, felt like an inconvenience. You're like, oh, I could yeah. be farming. Day. I was like, man, I could have been making money right now <laughs> right. to stand here. And especially the first year where. <laughs> You're not even like close enough with anybody to dance, but then you jokes on you. You come back in year two and try and dance with somebody and nothing happens. You're just like, well, forget it. <laughs> uh, co-op multiplayer. Have you played cooperative multiplayer? No, I haven't. Uh, I was hoping you had. I haven't either. I, I think I booted it up with Nikki on the switch once, but um, I, I'm not sure if, for some reason we stopped playing it pretty quickly. So I don't know enough to say if I played it or not. Well, sanity crypto asked, why haven't you and I played co-op yet? <laughs> I was forget. He was trying to get me to play. There was another guy who was trying to get me to play co-op on this too. Um, I don't know. I would just feel like, am I on your farm? Can I do anything? <laughs> uh, can I wash the dishes? <laughs> Cause it seems like I'm going to break something. So I don't know. I'll try that someday. Here's a great question from Play Play Jack Sayback. If you could change three things about this game, what would you choose? Hmm. So I need to come up with three things. Three things. I got one thing. We can go back and forth. We can go back and forth. 
the one thing is I want more festivals that do more stuff. Okay. Um, I want the cutscenes to be implemented more smoothly. Ooh, there you go. Less glitchy. Because sometimes you walk into a house, it starts like you're walking into the house, and then it fades out and it starts a scene. Yeah. It's kind of clunky. Yeah, it is. <laughs> yeah. Um, I'd like better... <laughs> Better um, profile pic art. Better uh, portrait portrait art. There we go. Um, I would like to see some way, and this is for a game designer and not me, but I'd like to see some way of the game making it easier to get into when you first start playing. So yeah. that way more people can enjoy Stardew Valley or at least know they're going to enjoy it to begin with. That's a that's a good one. Yeah. Probably probably way better than the next one that I'm about to say. <laughs> All right. Which <laughs> is that uh I would like the ability to purchase new farmland uh when you reach late game stuff and you've filled out your own farmland, maybe you could purchase like other farm plots that you don't already have. Uh but that that could get exponentially insane. Like imagine taking care of two different full farms it would need you know there need to be new systems in place as far as uh automating systems and and a lot that could go on but hey a man can wish yeah as far as the third one for me i don't really have one um beyond what we've discussed earlier well dang it matt <laughs> hey a third you know what i'll say this for you then and and i'll, I'll take your spot sounds uh, good a third dungeon after the skull dungeon. Oh yeah, yeah, that'd be cool because even more longevity. True, uh, but the skull dungeon is already pretty boss. So, who am I to say? Uh, from games with coffee. Actually, you want to read this one, Matt? Yeah, Let's definitely. I mean, coffee. he's uh, contributing to characters that define us, uh, along with Overthinker Y. Um, so I think both of you guys, uh, yeah, submitted questions. So. Thanks for that, and thanks for being part of the collab as well. Um, so Games with Coffee says, Woohoo, Stardew! And at normal happening, because unfortunately my Twitter handle uh, cannot have the extra S for normal happenings. <laughs> There's no real way to abbreviate that. Um, all right, so and normal happening is on it too. I really enjoyed his appearance on the Sonic episode. I expect this will be amazing to listen to. Well, I hope it is so far. <laughs> Um, if a sequel to Stardew Valley was released, what would you add to it and why? Or does the game need a sequel at all? So kind of in the same vein as Playjack Sabaks. Um, no, this is, a lo- it, this is a big question, and I've been dreading right. answering this question. Yeah, I was going to say it's, kinda, it's more than just, uh, say, adding on top of what's already here. Yeah. Um, how could they possibly do a sequel uh, that would be different enough to to warrant a sequel at all the issue with i think the big issue with this game as far as sequels are concerned is this game was made by one person and if you did a bigger and better sequel there's no way that one human being could do it in a reasonable amount of time and so you'd need to take the money that you made with stardew valley and invest it into a team and the question is, is that going to ruin the the X factor that makes Stardew Valley so great? And I don't I don't know 
there are so many ways you could do it. Like you could go from say something like this being analogous to a SNES game and try to make like a, an N64 <laughs> game mm-hmm. for a sequel. But will that still be Stardew Valley and everything that we've discussed that makes it great? I don't know. Yeah. You think about the precedent set by Harvest Moon. Mm. Uh, Harvest Moon kept going and kept going and kept going. And if there's a series that kind of crystallizes what sequelitis is, it's probably Harvest Moon. Yeah. Uh, lost sight of what it is. And it changing hands to as far as ownership uh, doesn't always help either. What I would not want to see is a sequel to Harvest or a sequel to Stardew Valley produced by a studio and not by uh, the original developer. I think the original developer still needs to definitely be a part of this process and maybe have a studio come around him or maybe he build a studio himself, um, something like that. But uh, it's tough to say what you could do with a sequel to Stardew Valley because it's so. Uh, standard and solid and iconic on its own that changing it too much would ruin yeah again that x factor um or keeping it too much of the same you'd just be like yeah but why yeah so i don't know uh it's an it's an interesting comment that you made though maybe take the approach of doing a 3d uh game rather than a 16-bit one uh but who knows creates all kinds of new issues and uh new design problems and if if uh, if I had to guess, I would say that a sequel to Stardew Valley wouldn't actually have the name Stardew Valley in it. Um, I would actually expect one of those two words to be replaced in the title. And instead of it being like a Stardew Valley 2, instead it's a new location to fit what's probably going to be a new style. So that could be cool. Uh, Stardew City. And then you're back to square one. You're back in like a corporate enterprise except it's you running a a farming corporation and then you have to leave the farming corporation to find a simpler life than farming and there's your premise for stardew valley 2 well that's something i would have never thought of but that's interesting i like it (laughs) okay there's a couple final questions here this is from uh neko jones uh how would you review open world games like minecraft and stardew valley as they're getting updates and improvements that add depth and change the gameplay. Would you review each version or leave your old review up? Now, I do have thoughts on this, but Matt, I want to kind of capture yours first if you've got any. I'm not much of a reviewer in the traditional sense like you guys are, but I do want to, um, I'm trying to make it a point to thank the contributors for the upcoming collab, and Nico is part of that as well. So, um, But as far as how you review, I'm going to leave that up to the pros, and you are definitely the pro here. Oh, I didn't know IGN was on the podcast too. No, just kidding. I think you're a little you're, better you're, than you're IGN. Flatterer. Uh, you flatterer. Um, here's here's what I was I was thinking though, because this is a, this is an issue uh, with reviewing. We reviewed a couple games that received heavy updates, uh, especially since launch. Pokemon Go comes to mind as one that we've reviewed actually multiple times. Um, but I think that reasonably, when you read a review or when you write a review, that review, uh, you must assume that it is most valid at the time of writing, right? So uh, when I review a game, um, 
let's say Pokemon um, Sword that I just purchased. When I review Pokemon Sword, it's going to be uh, a review of the game at the time of writing. There's no possible way that I can review it, you know, at any future date. Um, I can mention future patches if if those have been announced or future DLC, but I cannot accurately uh, critique or or grade or give a sense of how those things affect the gameplay if they've not been available to affect the gameplay yet. You mean you so, can't violate causality? What? You can't violate causality? No, I can't. Uh, yeah. God knew I'd be, I would be too powerful if I could. Uh, <laughs> but, uh, but yeah, so the, the point is that um, I think that if, you, if you're very concerned about new versions of games, then re-review the game um, when it comes out. Otherwise, I don't think that there's any need to update your review. Um, so that I would hope that the assumption stands that if somebody were to look up my Pokemon Go review at launch, they would recognize, given the date on the article, that it's a Pokemon Go at launch review um, and not one that takes into consideration the, the modern changes. It's a very different game now, and there's all kinds of different elements at, at play. So same thing with Stardew Valley. I reviewed it for the PS4, uh, I think, and... Um, it's a it's a different game now. It's got more things in it. Uh, playing it on the Switch is different. So I could review it on the Switch now and could review it with all these new elements. Um, but I don't think it's necessary that I go back and, and edit a review because I don't think that reviews have to be exhaustive in that sense. I, I, my reviews, I tend to think of them as more analyses of how a game functions and how a game presents itself. So that's just in terms of uh, where it is when I play it. So great question, though. It's a good, it's a good question for reviewers, a thoughtful one. Um, here's a final comment. This is just so nice I had to include it. This is from Mr. Thou or Meister Thou. Not sure how to pronounce it. Uh, but thank you for saying this. He, he said, it's because of this podcast that I discovered Cosmic Star Heroin, which I am very much in love with. Loving other episodes on games I haven't played yet, too, like Horizon Zero Dawn. Keep doing what you're doing, Moses. Everybody knows my name. I don't know how. <laughs> um, it's supposed to be a red mage, but hey. No, just kidding. <laughs> Say, keep doing what you're doing because it's working. Thumbs up emoji. That was just really nice. It's nice to hear that people are uh, not just listening, but that they're enjoying new games because of the show. Um, that is is probably the the thing that drives me most to do these episodes, to do an episode on Stardew Valley. Maybe somebody's listening and they're like, well, heck that game sounds great. And they've never played it before. I mean, I don't get a royalty from Chucklefish for selling, helping to sell a copy of Stardew Valley, but it's awesome that more people are experiencing more games outside of their normal kind of comfort zone, maybe and discovering new titles. So, uh, thank you very much, Mr. Thou. Um, but Matt, uh, dude, it's been a pleasure talking to you. Oh, yeah, definitely uh, has. And a relaxing episode, I think. Uh, I think so well. I, I, I think so as well. A relaxing episode for what I think is a relaxing game. 
But it's then again, true. I don't try to make as much money as possible. So is it is it a relaxing game for you? Ah, uh, yes, it is. Uh, it can be stressful at certain times. <laughs> um, when I'm like, darn it, I have an hour to make it from the beach to the mountain, or you know, I'm gonna die. But <laughs> it's, uh, yeah, it's it's interesting that you can play it in multiple ways, and I think that's one of the big things that I appreciated from our conversation. Um, that you came up with that realization that uh, there are multiple pl- way- multiple ways to enjoy this game. Indeed. Uh, but Matt, where can our listeners find you? Uh, okay, so the blog is at normalhappenings.com um, and you can find me on Twitter at uh, twitter.com slash normalhappening with no S. Um, just needed one more character and there's no real way to abbreviate <laughs> that. <laughs> No, you could put like one less P, but then it'd be normal happenings, <laughs> and that's not quite the same thing. <laughs> so. um, I, uh, I hope that uh, you all will uh, tune in for the characters that define us. Um, a new article written from a great blogger in our blogger community, including a bunch of mages, um, will be coming up um, basically every Monday of. 2020 so it is going to be a very interesting undertaking but i'm enjoying i'm enjoying editing and i think it's going to be really neat to put it on so i'm really excited to hear what you guys think about that yes most definitely so folks look forward to 2020 we're a little over a month away uh it's going to be an exciting year I think so thank you again Matt for taking the time out of your busy schedule to chat with me I appreciate it you bet and let's do this again sometime soon yeah absolutely and we won't talk about Sonic I swear oh I like Sonic well that's it for Magecast the spell is wearing off but stick around for a promo about another show I'd know you'd just love I hope you enjoyed this episode as much as I did if you liked it Please like, subscribe, and share this episode to help us reach a wider audience. If you enjoy our work, please consider supporting us and our vision for the future of civil gaming conversations with a monthly pledge of any amount at patreon.com forward slash thewellreadmage. This episode may be over, but the legend will live on, passed down by the dwarves, the elves, and the dragons. I know what you're thinking. You're thinking, oh man, I love thoughtful video game content, like the long-form reviews on thewellreadmage.com, or the fantastic audio content at Magecast, where the Wellread Mage and a panel of mages talk about games in depth, and it gets really exciting and super critical, and I love it. But I wish there was something simultaneously more academic and, like, way more dumb. Well, you're in luck, because coming uh, November 23rd is Philosophiraga, the newest addition to the Well-Read Mages audio content. It's a show about philosophy in the same way that Breaking Bad is a hilarious public service announcement about a silly man who just didn't have the right kind of health insurance. We'll be talking video games, we'll be talking philosophy, we'll be talking good and evil, the nature of reality, other stuff, and it'll all be really good. So join me over at thewellreadmage.com on November 23rd for Philosophiraga the show that takes great ideas, great games, and doesn't think about any of them too seriously.